it's not Mr. De- Mr. Destiny's a ba- is actually is Mr. Destiny a baseball movie? I th- you know what? I kind of think Mr. Destiny is a baseball movie. Taking care I- of business is taking care of business a baseball movie? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Also, not a baseball movie is the Jim Belushi classic K nine eleven. It's very important for me to get warmed up with the bullpen. <laughs> From Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of GFA Live. I am your host, Peter Winter. I'm hoping that it's going to be a nice episode going forward. And sure enough, I'd expect nothing less from WWF Superstars from July 20th, 1991. Another action-packed episode from an action-packed year. And there's nobody I'd rather have along for the ride than my best friend, the king of the Caesars Poker Room. For the year 2009, Mr. Keithy Langston, how are you? I am doing fabulous. Uh, I I think that ni- we should rename our podcast to GFA 1991. This seems to be the year that we love more than anything else. But uh, yeah, no, I was the seat. We've talked about me being the seas. I want to know if you ended up becoming this king of Caesar's Palace this last uh, week or so. Um, I did not really spend much time gambling in Caesars because I have this. I was staying at the link across the street. Yes. And in in Vegas, I have learned an important thing in the summertime, which is that. Don't go outside. Well, that's one thing. But related to that is on the west side of the street, you got New York, New York, and then the Monte Carlo, which I kind of forgot was even there. uh, and, And Bellagio and all that. So I'm staying on the east side of the street where they have the monorail that you can take and go quickly from MGM to the link, or if you wanted to go all the way up to Sahara. Mm-hmm. So that is that is a huge thing to be on the same side of the street, to be able to move quickly in an air-conditioned setting. Thank, thank you. Thank you. As I'm playing that for myself. How long ago was the monorail built? The monorail was built, af- I believe, after I... Uh, well, I didn't take the monorail when I lived there, but it was definitely there in 2005 because when I went out there for a U2 concert, uh, it, it, it it definitely existed. Why did I not take the monorail when I was out there? You must've been on the West side of the, because we were staying at Excalibur and you were, uh, held hostage in the Caesars poker room. Uh So that was on the other side of the street and crossing the strip can be a pain in the ass. Because you got to go up and then over the walkway. And, yes, you know. yes. So yeah, I, so. I told you. I told you how I got hit on by the same prostitute like three times that night. <laughs> oh, do 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 uh, <laughs> do do speak of it again, please. Well, I was all right. So I so we had got. This is really interesting. She was putting in a lot of hours in that in that area. Uh, you know, we had. I had got. I had woken up around noonish or whatever the day before and or the day of i went to go gamble for 12 hours and i i i went and i 
got my way down, and as I was walking by like, the New York, New York, on my way to Caesars, I see I become a, I get accosted by this by this lady of the day apparently because she was out at two o'clock in the afternoon. Very attractive woman, dressed nice. And she was like, hey, you're looking for a good time. And I was like, I'm hoping. I'm on my way there. And, uh, <laughs> the fact that you didn't just be like, oh, thank you, but I'm not interested. Like, you were, you were naive enough to be like, uh, she, you, you were thinking she was cheering you on for the <laughs> <laughs> She was. I think I, like, slapped her hand like I was a face back in the 90s. Like, I was like, yeah. All it needed <laughs> was Tito Santana's music. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that or, like, that Lex Luger. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Dun, dun. Like I was the salad. <laughs> so I, I ended up, you know, I went to Caesars. I played poker. I got annihilatedly drunk. And then as I was stumbling back at two o'clock in the morning, she was still there and she was working. I think she may have changed. I don't remember quite. I was pretty inebriated. And she was like, hey, she remembered me from 12 hours earlier. I mean, I guess I have a face for radio, but I mean, she must have remembered me. But uh, I saw. I said, I, she was like, hey, did you have fun today or did you do well? And I was like, nope, not, any, not anymore. So as I stumbled back to the hotel, uh, I get in. And again, we were staying at Excalibur. And I must have somehow figured out where where everybody was. And, and you were at a bar that was packed Caesars. <laughs> so I had to walk back again like 20 <laughs> minutes later. So the third time I walked back, she's like, honey, you keep seeing me like we might this might be destiny. And I should have at that point just been like, yep, let's go. Come on. Can I can we make a deal? Can we can I can I maybe wrestle you in a, in a coal mine glove match or something? Can we spin the deal and find out what we can get out of this? But um, no, I, I was, I, I kept going. I'm surprised you didn't say, come on, fucko, let's go for a ride. <laughs> Come on, fucko, let's go for a ride. No, I didn't. I, I was I was very well inebriated at that point. So uh, by the time I met up with you guys at the karaoke bar, I don't even I don't, you could have told me we were in Reno and I you could have told me we were in Cleveland and I would have believed you. So <laughs> So so this is all two thousand nine. I want to fast forward uh twelve years. Uh, for the for the listeners of of this show, because uh, I'll probably go into more detail. Remember Greetings from Allentown? It was a podcast that I used to do uh, a, a while ago. Uh, I think I remember. Yeah, I I have I have notes for a show. It's a matter of me sitting down and doing it. As I explained to one member of our group in Las Vegas uh, last Friday night, it was, uh, I said, yes, I have a mental block. Remember when Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw to first base? It was pretty much, the, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but, but in any event, for the, for the listeners of this show, and we, we have, you know, a lot of good fellas stuff that we, you know, like, like to yes. play every mm-hmm. so often. I mean, you know, <laughs> I can't I, it's all very well established. We know from time to time. Yeah. You're going to have to fuck everything up. Exactly. Pull out these chestnuts. Exactly. And, but also, we have an interest in a related movie, uh, Casino. Yes. Well. So on Sunday morning, I made the decision because I had a rental car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is funny because. Not a single person in my group ever was like, hey, could you give me a ride somewhere or whatever? Like, I, I think I was just being perceived as being wasted all the time. So nobody wanted to ride in a car with me driving. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Smart but, move. But Sunday morning, the day after the SummerSlam, uh, I, I was up fairly early. So I decided 
because I'm a I'm a strange one. I drove down to the Gene Lake Beds, <laughs> which is about 20 miles south of Vegas, right on I-15. Now, I I had to reveal to you that this is where they filmed the scene in Casino, where um, Pesci and De Niro have their confrontation in the middle of the desert. And I did it all so that I could just send a picture of me uh, yelling at my phone, say, you're bringing heat on me? (laughs) The thing I love is that that's the only scene in the movie you've seen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It it is kind of funny. Well, I've seen a couple of other clips, but that's the one that stands out because not only was that scene filmed there, but also the scene in The Hangover where they do the exchange towards the end of the movie and they and they end up getting the wrong Doug. That's right. Yes, that's correct. And Black I was just Doug. looking around. It was nothing but desolate, flat land. So I right. mean, actually a great place to film those kind of scenes. And also, weirdly enough, uh, a bunch of children running or riding around on ATVs, which I thought was kind of oh. funny. <laughs> it was like little mini Stone Cold Steve Austin general managers. There's a lot of holes holes out in that desert, just so you know. (laughs) I know. I was very very careful to try and not fall into one of them. There were also a lot of mounds, too, which I kept getting up on and pretending like I was a baseball pitcher. But then I was like, oh, shit, some of these might be landmines. Oh, there were mounds? I thought you were going to say, like, next thing you saw is a lot of Almond Joys, too. But, you know. Yes. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> well, when when I do the when I do the greetings from Allentown, which by the way will be on a superstars from August of nineteen eighty seven. Oh. Uh, I, I will go in more detail on, on this uh, Las Vegas junket because I did I did fly out there on Thursday night and I was there until Tuesday night. Okay. So I managed to cram a lot in. I went to the Grand Canyon. I went to oh, good. um I, I went to the state line, so I technically I went into California. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I I went up to Valley of Fire. You know, wow. and I also did a lot of gaming. Uh, had uh, one particular incident at a roulette wheel, but uh, that that's you know. All right, so we're gonna so we're all right. So I won't bother you then about your trip to Vegas. Oh, you oh you can uh, bring it up during this. I, I don't care. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm oh, going to right. freely discuss whatever. I'm just saying that. When when I record the intro for that show, I'll I'll, I'll touch on everything, and especially yeah. the, the SummerSlam show itself in the uh, Allegiant Stadium in right. Las Vegas. Which well, I, I know that when when you got back from WrestleMania, you you and I quickly recorded a show, and uh, we went over your your journey to Tampa. So I wanna I wanna leave your your journey to Las Vegas to to your show to G, to as I like to call GFA proper. So yes, well. Hopefully, I, I will be recording that again very, very soon. Oh, but, but for right now, we are doing we're, we're continuing our journey through 1991 WWF because it's it's so amazing in because, so many ways. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> there are things in this episode that are going to make you plots. I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now. I've been texting you, warning you about this for like you, over yes. a week. Yes. OK. All right. Well, I'm ready. I've yes. taken my medication, so... Are, are, are we going to talk about who's not in the intro again, or is that topic all fucked out now? <laughs> <laughs> no. We got... Well, we got... We had Warrior... I saw Warrior, Hacksaw, the the Dragon, Earth 
Earthquake, The Nasty Boys, Jake, Undertaker, IRS, Big Boss Man, Berserker, Warlord, Moonty, Tornado, Slaughter, Bret Hart, Warrior Again, Bushwhackers, The Coach, Paul Barra. We have we Hawk. have Hawk, so no animal. Is that the uh No Animal was in it earlier. Okay, so we had Hogan twice. I mean no no Piper, no Virgil, no Ted DiBiase. They're at the uh, Arco Arena in Sacramento, also known as Kevin Nash's favorite uh, facility. Yeah. And oh, and they got they got ice cream bars for summer. All right. So Vince and Ra- Vince Roddy Piper and Macho Man all have ice cream bars. Savage was licking his. Piper was licking his. Vince is perfect, and you know it stayed perfect. Oh because yeah. Vince. Just kind of like Krusty the Clown when he would try like one of his Krusty burgers <laughs> and then he would immediately spit it out afterwards. Like Vince is not eating an ice cream bar. So, uh, no, Vince Absolutely. is like, ah, get this out of my mouth. Oh, the juices almost went down my throat. <laughs> now, I had thought about forcing you to watch the July 6th episode because <laughs> that is that is the one where Savage um, proposes. proposes to Elizabeth. Like the that. absolute browbeating that happens towards Savage up till that segment is a little uncomfortable, if you ask me. Yes, I remember that episode fondly. <laughs> yes, well, maybe maybe someday we'll cycle back to that and we'll go it into your, pro- your 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 proposal story, which is, is something else. It's it's beyond the pale. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, and, and, oh. and also and also my my proposal story, which I I was at an engagement party the other night. And uh, I described it as uh, I had to abort on the first attempt, which I, <laughs> I, I said it's like like when the quarterback throws an interception, but there's a five yard illegal contact penalty. So they keep the ball and get an automatic first down. <laughs> it's like one of those deals. Yeah. We all scream for ice cream. Yeah. But SummerSlam, it's going to be Hogan and the Warrior who will be screaming for mercy. Because they're going up against Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa. And it is a very, very rocky road. Yeah. Wait a minute. Talking about Slaughter, Adnan, and Mustafa at SummerSlam is like talking about frozen custard's last stand. Because if anyone's going to get the trap kicked out of them. It's going to be those three drifts. They're getting soft and I'll say they got way too much marshmallow on the side. <laughs> on the side. I just enjoy watching Vince during these. <laughs> yes. Oh, we have a special interview with Sajal. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I, I, I told you. It's an extremely special interview. Virgil, the Nasty Boys, mm. the Dragon, because he doesn't have a name anymore. The Beverly Brothers, and then our hero. Oh, wait, they didn't even promote the Warlord's appearance? Come on, he's the number one contender for the world title. <laughs> uh, again, I see, I told you, I remember every single superstars, the boss man would wrestle first because he was really the one that would, that music, his theme music would pump the crowd up, something fierce. He... Um, Oh, he was a good leadoff hitter. Now, yeah, Luis Piccoli is the a opponent young, here. A young Luis Piccoli. And this is a nice trivia question here where yeah. the boss man's first TV match in the WWF was against Luis Piccoli. <laughs> in June of 88, June 13th, June 18th, 88, Superstars. It's on YouTube. 
And you know how I know it's on YouTube? Because I'm the uploader. And Spicoli at the time was 18. Oh, my goodness. So I guess at this point he'd be 21. Mm. But the thing I remember about that 88 match is that boss he went up for that boss band slam like nobody else. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how it goes here. Yeah. You know, I was going to – there wasn't – that's kind of interesting you say that he so boss man came in as a heel yeah. and would have essentially there it is oh, yeah look at that yeah, wow went way up there so boss man came in as a heel and louis piccoli would have assumed would have been the jobber would have been a face like he would have it's not often i think that you see f- jobbers go from heel to face transitions like that. <laughs> well, yeah, Lombardi, when he came in in 83, was like a face jobber who, you know, had matches against heels. And then they quickly figured out that he was incredibly unlikable and had no discernible offense to speak of, that they had to make him like a heel and have him face all the face guys. Sure. I like, I like how Boss Man just sprints out of the ring like he had diarrhea or something. He's like, oh, my God, I got the runs. He had the runs all right. I think wow, he had one of uh, El Matador's uh, tacos. Oh. Hey, enough of that. I'm going to have you taken out of here in a minute. All right. Now we go a quick update on SummerSlam, and then afterwards is a segment of great import that you may have forgotten about. Oh, okay. British Bulldog was on the cover of the WWF magazine at I'm- that I'm pretty sure at no point in that magazine did they talk about SummerSlam. So I don't know how why it's an update from the pages of the WWF magazine. <laughs> it's true. They do have it a little backwards. WrestleFest 91, available this Thursday. Did we did we watch that? I can't remember. I think we did, because I think I remember that Earthquake Warrior match. Yeah. I have the official invitation. Oh, God. I want to share it with you. <laughs> The lovely Elizabeth and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, request the honor of your presence at their wedding to be held in the middle of the ring at <laughs> Madison Square Garden on Monday night, August the 26th, 1991. It says RSVP, oh yeah. <laughs> I like that they didn't put multiple H's in the oh yeah, because that, that would seem unprofessional. I mean, it's a, it's a wedding, for Christ's sake. Well, just on. remember, Elizabeth is probably the one who did these invitations. And when she responded to Savage, she said, oh, yeah. So you would think you would think Elizabeth would know that multiple H's is Randy's thing. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yes. Now, on, on the last GFA Live, you, you did a bit where you were Randy Savage and you were pretending like I, I had said, like they basically treated this like it was couples therapy <laughs> and that they were using Vince McMahon as sort of a, <laughs> uh, a guide here yeah, yeah. towards, towards them getting married. Yeah. But I, I want to raise the point. They fucking get engaged in July and they get married in August. This is basically an elopement. No wonder why it didn't work out. It's a friggin' shotgun wedding. I wonder if, yeah. I wonder if Elizabeth was pregnant at the time. Well, I, I don't think she was, because as we all know, uh, it didn't quite work out for them from a children perspective. I, I'm just saying that they pulled some strings, I think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Savage may have had uh, some issues in the, you know, department firing blanks, too. I mean, you know, oh. you don't know what cocaine and steroids as a combination does to a man's uh, yeah. testicles. No, <laughs> I, I think I think we kind of do. Oh yeah, Mrs. Elizabeth Macho, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vince has been married for a long time. Let's go to him for advice on marital relations. <laughs> what you gotta do? 
Make sure you say to the wife, I want those tits. (laughs) I want you to have your tits done before we go to WCW, all right? And whatever whatever you do, don't let your wife run for Senate twice. (laughs) Oh, oh, you were doing doing Vince. Jesus. I was kind of losing my mind there. I could hardly wait. This week on Wrestling Challenge, the Macho Man had this to say. It's the barbershop. Oh, it's the barbershop? I I think Savage broke a window on his way out, as was tradition. (laughs) It was in the ring that I had feared my most glorious moments with all the zillions and zillions and zillions of people all around the world. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought it was only fitting to share the most glorious moment of all time, my marriage to Elizabeth. It could only happen in New York. Uh, uh, Only in New York. God, I remember that. I remember that barbershop like vividly in my mind. Like when he the zillions, it's all, all around the world. You just you just remember it for beefcakes, just unbelievably ridiculous haircut where it's a crew cub crew cut on top and just a tangled mess in the back. Yeah. To he, call he it had, a mullet is an insult to mullets everywhere. He, he had what I like to call a fullet, a fucked up mullet. <laughs> You're going to fuck everything up. You're going to fuck everything up. <laughs> yes, indeed. So right now. You're going to fuck everything yeah, up. Thank you, Teddy. Right now, we got a segment that I'm pretty sure that you don't remember, but um, okay. it's kind of out of nowhere. Everybody remembers Vince going on Raw that time and saying a cure for the common show, that whole speech. Yes. And and there are a couple of other ones, including the infamous at the end of 2018. We're going to start doing things that you want as <laughs> they continue to do the exact same shit that they've been doing for years prior. This this one's a little different, because if you recall, in the middle of 1991, the Zahorian trial is going on. Uh, yeah. And they were probably trying to give it a good leaving alone. But yeah. in the middle of July, Hulk Hogan appeared on the Arsenio Hall show. Mm. Ed was like, yeah, I only did steroids once back in 83 mm. or, or some such nonsense. And uh, everybody immediately called bullshit. <laughs> Wait, did so, Hogan even ever did he even admit to doing I thought he didn't even admit to doing. Steroids. No, he did. He, had, he said he had an injury, oh, but okay. he, he carefully said 1983, like, mm. like, like as, as if they were going to put an asterisk on his title <laughs> on his title raids. Like it's freaking, you know, yeah. the Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire. Home yeah. Run record. yeah. So here we go. Vincent Kennedy McMahon making kind of an odd appearance here. Okay. From other professional sports emerge a number of stars who become superstars and espouse Hmm. the message, don't do drugs. We applaud their effort. However, here we fucking do all the drugs. I mean, this is probably, yeah, this is probably the post-cocaine everywhere (laughs) situation, but... I mean, let's be honest. These guys are. Oh, the only thing that would have made this better is if Jake Roberts was the one cutting the doing the friggin' PSA. <laughs> My kingdom for a Jake Roberts anti-drug promo. <laughs> I'm sure that it exists because they made all those guys do that. Like, like the one where Heenan said, "Don't drive drunk," and Tito yeah. Santana was like, "Don't swim alone." That that kind of thing. Okay, Vince, where are you going with this? 
Over here in the World Wrestling Federation, we have many superstars. Wrestling. Some of whom have even become superheroes. <laughs> or almost superheroes in some cases. <laughs> well, there's been some... Uh, you used that joke. Shit. I was going to say there's been some superheroes <laughs> in training, but you used the bit already. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey. Hey, it's my show, and I, I, I beat you to it. <laughs> you sure did. I, I like how he's sitting in front of a TV that just says World Wrestling Federation in case we're fucking confused about what program we were watching. <laughs> this is amazing. I may have to take this and, like, cut it out and put it on YouTube or Twitter or something because... Well, welcome to welcome to World Championship <laughs> Wrestling. I'm Vince McMahon. Yeah. Oh, boy. Recognize their responsibility as role models to just say no to drugs. Mm. Therefore, it should come as no surprise to you that the WWF has one of the most comprehensive drug testing, education, and rehabilitation programs in all of sports. All right. This is, this is 16 years before the wellness program was adopted. Wow. Uh, this definitely seems like damage control of some kind. Hmm, I wonder well, why that is. Well, I will say that a lot of the shoot interviews that you see from guys who were in WWF at this time, uh, such as Sid and everything, they did talk a lot about the guys getting nailed for hard drugs, not steroids, but like hardcore drugs, and then also weed and stuff like that. So they did have some kind of a drug yeah. Program. Well, after the 87 incident with Sheik and Duggan, yeah. they they cracked down on the bullshit for a little while. It would it would come and go. That that's how that's how they would do things. I just think I I think that I think there's always been some kind of a drug program. It's just a drug testing program. It's just there's a drug program. There really is. It's just <laughs> that it's kind of like the steroid ones where you say, oh yeah. They test for steroids, except for guys like Vince and Triple H. It's it's definitely was a, you know, they weren't going to put Hogan on. They weren't testing Hogan for frigging cocaine yes. because he's Hulk Hogan. Yes. But they would test. They would test. The, they would test the number one contender warlord for cocaine. <laughs> they, they, they popped um, Roman Reigns several years ago. I mean, we don't know what it was and all the all that sort of stuff. But it kind of feeds into my one of my great MLB conspiracy theories that there are there are certain teams that do not get tested for drugs. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, have you ever noticed that the Yankees never have a guy who gets popped? But when they become former Yankees, they get popped. Yes. It's it's funny how that had, like I believe the last Yankee to get suspended who when he was a Yankee was Matt Lawton. Mm. And everybody's like, Matt Lawton played for the Yankees? Like, that's your first reaction. And that was 2005. Now, somebody's probably screaming, A-Rod. That wasn't even a test. That was basically him, you know, basically doing that biogenesis or whatever it was called, drug yeah. ring, yeah. that he was effectively the ringleader of. And also, they suspended him for that whole year as a personal favor to Derek Jeter because it was Jeter's last year. and He didn't want A-Rod hanging around his retirement tour. You know, oh, is that what it was? Hitting 250 as everybody jerks off that he gets a fucking walk-off hit against Evan Evan Meek of the Orioles as Yankee Stadium goes crazy as they close to within eight games of the O's that year. Yeah. 
<laughs> you you knew I would work that in, right? Any, anything else you like to say about the uh, Yankees and Orioles in two thousand and was it nine, eight, nine, <laughs> ten, twelve? When is it? Two thousand fourteen. Yes. Yeah, that's that, right. that, that that the Orioles finished first in the American League East that year, but the last year the Orioles were relevant in baseball. No, 2016 they made the wild card game, but I don't I don't want to talk about that right now. <sighs> let's go back. Let's go back to Vince, who I'm sure is going to be spitting hot truths. This program will now be expanded to include testing for anabolic steroids. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, there goes there there goes that part of the uh, Hogan thing. Say your vitamins. What about the WBF guys, Vince? Are they are they under this well, umbrella? Is Gary Stridham going to be testing? Gary Stridham. <laughs> when they were doing the roll call of the WBF guys, and I meant to point this out on the last show, everybody had like a nickname or gimmick except for Gary Stridham, which I think is funny because he was the guy who kept winning. Mm. <laughs> in mm. short, the standards of excellence, the athletes in the WWF live by, will become the standard bearer for all professional sports for years to come. That's why when you see this symbol, you can be assured of drug-free sports entertainment that oh. you and your entire family can be proud of. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Pardon my editorial laugh. Wow. That okay. One, <laughs> I mean, he's got, that's a set of balls on a guy. That guy does, ha- that guy has balls the size of grape fruits like are you shitting me when you see this symbol we're gonna replace this symbol in a few years but when you see this symbol actually you know what i stand corrected he's right when you see that symbol you can know that there was a it's a drug-free situation because they changed the symbol the following year <laughs> yeah well they 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 tested for a while and then by the time what like 96 or 97 rolls oh, around they, the new general- comes around it turns the the symbol takes like a 45 degree turn and yes. it's a new and it, it's new coloring it's new everything it's a rebranding the new generation was a rebranding so guess what guess what happened when the new generation came around <laughs> drugs that, were back on the table like it was just we're, we're back in the game baby we're back in the game guys come on stop steroids is no go but here's all the freaking oxys you can want <laughs> Oh my God! What a yeah. set of balls on this guy. <laughs> See, I t- I told you I knew you were In trying to make an artistic statement. One and, then they... be careful not <laughs> and then they come into fucking a Hogan commercial. <laughs> All right. Do you remember? Did you watch Mad Men? I can't remember. No. Because er- early on in that uh, early on in that show, Harry Crane, who was kind of like this. I don't want to say he was the big lost man of the first season, but he kind of was. He was still trying to find himself. Eventually, he becomes like the head of the TV department. And his whole role was when their clients run advertisements on TV, make sure that they're not placed in awkward positions. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like don't this. don't basically don't have your Hulk Hogan right guard ad right after or whatever this is. Is it right guard or old spice? I can never uh, remember. Right guard, right guard. Don't have it right after we talk about fucking steroid testing four days after his Arsenio Hall appearance. Wow. <laughs> like it's a bad idea. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the uh it's 
the Casey Kasem goddamn death dedication <laughs> right after an upbeat peppy song. Like uh, you, you, you love that Casey Kasem. You, you get, he gets done playing Holiday by Madonna, and then he has to do a freaking death dedication to a goddamn dog dying. It's <laughs> but is it not? That's exactly what it is. Who mm. was the guy in Mad Men? What was his name? Harry Crane. Who was he played by? A Rich Somer, who actually went on to uh, be in Glow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He was he was the guy uh, fucking uh, uh, Allison Brie in the first episode of Glow. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. the ex the ex husband of Liberty Bell. Yes. Yeah. I recommend Right Guard Sports Stick. It provides maximum protection and the freshest sense. A sublime palette of odoriferous emanations. After all, a true artiste should be remembered for his inspiration, not his perspiration. Right. He fucking signed it, HH, to let us know that it was actually him. It's like his tweets. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder how much that painting would go for. Hmm. I'm sure it would. Uh, collectibles have skyrocketed in the last year or so. You think so. like we could? You think like we could get a we could get a collection to see if we could buy some original art from Hulk Hogan and then George W. Bush? Hmm. <laughs> that's that's entirely possible. We we could consider that. What what I was thinking, and I was watching SummerSlam '91. I was thinking about some of the uh, some of the ba- some of the background stuff. Oh, we got Billy D. Williams again. We we already we already ran our bit for this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> okay, I, I already went through chapter and verse my issues with Calrissian. Hey, hey everybody, Billy. Hey, hey, is that is that the woman who uh, propositioned you uh, in Vegas that time? Um, she might have been. I don't know. <laughs> you think you are you saying that Billy D. Williams hangs around with Las Vegas whores? All I know is that those women were paid to be in that commercial. <laughs> so I'm I'm just saying I don't know. You can have beautiful, clear oh, it's a, a dermatology commercial on a wrestling oh, show. I'm shocked. What a surprise. 212-594-SKIN, should I call it? No. no. Why not? It's just a New York number. Hello, beautiful, clear skin. Thank you, Dr. Zismore. A lot of good promos in that commercial. Oh, pause it. Pause this commercial. Skin. S-K-I-N. Ready? Okay. You know, I may have to edit this out <laughs> because oh, okay, good. We're we're safe. <laughs> I was like, do not. It's gonna be some fucking eighty-year-old woman that we're disturbing at home, and Hello? she ends up. <laughs> what if it was? Like, sounds like your mother. Yeah. I was gonna say, what if it's my mother? What is John Candy doing here? This is John Candy. All right. You know, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a guess here because I I didn't screen this episode all the way through. I, I wanted to just get an order of things, yep. but I did see this commercial, and I want you to guess which John Candy movie are they advertising to be airing on TV? You can see the picture of him, so let let me see if you can get it based on him just lying in bed. Mm-hmm. So July of ninety one. I'm gonna say it. it's I'm gonna say it's summer rental. Okay, let's let it play. Well, I have to lose a few pounds, I know that. You see, he's a courageous athlete. Oh, I'm not a baby. A judge of great character. How do they look? 
similar. And a respected member of the community. You're even stupider than you look. But more importantly... <laughs> he's just trying to have fun! That's logically impossible! John Candy, Summer... Oh! Singer. Winston from way downtown. <laughs> Fox 5. I'm kind of bothered by the Blackhawks jersey that he wears because the numbers are all fucked up. Oh, what? what they, didn't have black, they didn't have black numbers on the uh, red jersey. And right now, right now we get the Nasty Boys versus Scott Carlson and Bob Allen, which I know you're going to... Uh, hey, the Nat... You, you talked about remembering 1991 superstars all very well. The thing that I always remembered was the Nasty Boys were on either Superstars or Challenge every freaking week. Yeah. They all, they would oftentimes have the Intercontinental Champion and then the Tag Champions on, on one of the two shows almost every week. Like, I bet you, well, actually, July of 91, Perfect probably. Well, no, no, because these were taped earlier than that, so Perfect wasn't hurt yet, right? Yeah, it, it, this is around when this was taped would be around the time that he got hurt. Yeah, so maybe Challenge would have had perfect this week, and that would have been like the last week. But yeah, no, they used to have because I remember, I remember Perfect being on one of the shows every week, and then I remember Bret Hart. Bret Hart was on every week. Bret Hart yeah. and Tito Santana were on either Challenge or su- Superstars every single week. The '91 Bret Hart push was extremely well executed, which uh, I know sounds I like a pun. And but two weeks before this, on that January si- uh, J- July sixth episode, it was Bret versus Haku. Excuse mm. me, King, King Haku. Mm. Thank you. And uh, I, I think that's a match that we would enjoy. But and another reason why I thought about making you watch that July sixth episode. Oh, there's knobs talking into the camera. What do you think you are, a, D, a D-level manager in WCW? What do you think you are, James Vandenberg? Mm. Looking back, though, I think that... No, uh, oh, do you want to hear the Nasty Boys yeah. promo or not? Well, I'm, it's I'm an that it, that's an inset promo. We should listen to it. Okay. You babies! Oh, we beat you up and down the streets. That's the size you now. What are you going to do? L-O-D. We're the Nasty Boys, and we're going to be the World Wrestling Federation well, I don't know what I was expecting there, like uh, informed commentary on the congressional check kiting scandal. I don't know. What was going on? What was going on at the time? <laughs> yes. What was it? The check kiting scandal? What was it? Uh, a bunch of con- uh, Congress people wrote uh, checks against the House Bank that they knew were going to bounce, oh. and it, the, it was going to be picked up by the taxpayers. Oh, okay. So it was a big deal, and it led right into the 92 congressional elections where incumbents were losing left and right because there were so many of them who were doing that. And just so you know, I found that way more interesting than this Nasty Boys match. Oh, you didn't like the pit stop there? You know my thoughts on the pit stop. I will say, though, looking back at the Nasty Boys title run, it should have gone on longer. I think that they should have. Oh, no, no. No, I think that they, no, and I'll tell you why. Because you knew once you had LOD as the champs, there there wasn't going to be another team down the line. I mean, I know they had the natural disasters, but. You had to give the natural disasters a little bit of time to gel as a team. Plus, again, are you really expecting Fred, Typhoon, Hurricane Fred to be anything more than just a distraction? Yeah. So I would say that if you had the nasties, 
They shouldn't have had that title match at SummerSlam be like a no count out, no, D- no DQ. It should have been just a regular straight up tag match. You had the LOD win by disqualification due to like Jimmy Hart's interference, you know? And then they run the circuit again. They run the house. So circuit against LOD, let them continue to beat, you know, let LOD continue to beat them. Screw we finish or whatever. And then, you know what you do? You have another match at survivor series be for the belt. Like the, and then that's where you put in, the because I think it, by that Survivor Series the Hogan Undertaker match was definitely his first attempt to try to get away from the traditional four on four or five yeah. on five. So you know what you do? You have a fucking wacky match at Survivor Series between LOD and the Nasty Boys, and then that's where LOD wins. I thought you were going to say at SummerSlam. Uh, I guess you could do the DQ with the natural disaster. Yeah, all all that stuff. But the, the moment of LOD winning is one of my favorite things of SummerSlam 91 because Hawk looks genuinely touched. No, I know. And that's, yeah, you're right. He does. And that you're still going to get that, but you get a few more months of LOD chasing. You let the natural disasters gel. You let the natural disasters become more of a team. I, but see, looking back history wise, what did they end up doing? LOD won the belts. They feuded with the natural disasters and which I'm assuming was kind of a boring feud. Yeah. And then eventually, and then eventually, they drop belts to fucking Money Inc. And we have a Mike Rotunda tag title defense in 1992. I mean, come on, man! You're gonna fuck everything up. Look, exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. All right, that perhaps, you know, if, if you're telling me rebook that whole Nasty Boys title reign, but you can't do the change at SummerSlam. Yeah, I guess you'd have to do like a DQ finish of that sort. But then I would do, the, you know, where I would have done the title change? Where? On the Arsenio Hall show. In that ma- in that match, the LOD, it, because that would have got okay. that would have got people's when, attention. When, when was that? Uh, November. So it was I'm, right before right before Survivor Series. I'm on board. Yeah. All right. All right. And then you know what you do? You have the match that you're booking for Survivor Series is ooh. Hold on. What if we do this? Okay. How about this for a big mix of angles? The match for the Survivor Series promoted, okay, because it's promoted, is the tag team champions, the Nasty Boys, with the natural disasters. So Jimmy's, the oh, the first family. There's your team name, the first family. So it's bringing back Memphis, right? Yeah. Versus the number one contenders, the Legion of Doom, and the Rockers. So you have a pretty good tag team in the back. And then then on the Arsenio Hall show, the Nasty Boys lose to LOD. So there's mm-hmm. your champions now going into Survivor Series is LOD. And then you still lead to it's still the first family versus the versus the Legion of Doom. And you could say that the oh, and they could have had the Rockers come out with like the, with the styrofoam freaking shoulder pads. <laughs> and then and then you have are you just trying to embarrass Shawn Michaels? Because I am here for that. <laughs> but, I mean, then you have, yes, and then you have the Shawn Michaels dissension with Marty Jannetty during that match. You have LOD wins the tag belts from the Nasty Boys like a week before. So there, so then you can push that feud with, because then the, then the matchups make sense. The LOD's kind of feuding with the, with the Natural Disasters. The Rockers are kind of feuding with the Nasty Boys. It looks a little bit better. It's a little bit more you know seamless kind of thing and then 
that's the four-on-four tag match that you're going to get. That's a fucking awesome match right there. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I want anybody that's listening to this to tell me I'm wrong if I am. But I think that's a great match. You have the first family versus the Legion of Doom. The Rockers are wearing the fucking styrofoam kids' shoulder pads along with the low <laughs> The kids' ones. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fucking awesome match. You have the drama of Vince and Bobby talking about how the LOD just won the tag belts the week before on the Arsenio Hall show. You have Arsenio Hall getting a getting some rub from the from the WWF and vice versa. <laughs> I, I think I think it would go go the other way around. Now you're you're probably annoyed with me right now, Keithy, because I paused in the middle of a Nasty Boys match. Well. <laughs> Keep quiet because there's a very good reason for why I did this. Oh. There's a there's a for the promo being read by Howard Finkel. This card is going to await each and every one of you. We are less than two weeks away from the WWF's return to Long Island. Friday night, August 2nd at the Nassau Coliseum. A fabulous card is going to await each and every one of you. Can the Warlord pull off the upset? Can he become the WWF champion? We will all find out on August 2nd when the... Hulk Hogan returns to the Nassau Coliseum to defend his title against the Warlord. <laughs> yes! I, I like how they're talking about the Warlord as like a 33-1 to 1 shot in the Kentucky Derby. The Warlord, the Warlord versus Hulk Hogan, August of 1991 at the Nassau Coliseum. That is my, that's my, that's my bucket list match. I mean, look, uh, when I was in Vegas with the group, I kind of I kind of uh, positioned myself as the warlord guy in the group where at SummerSlam, I kept shouting out every time there was a warlord tribute spot, like the full Nelson in Lashley match with Goldberg, full uh, that warlord tribute. <laughs> Somebody did like a shoulder uh, into the ring post thing, warlord tribute. That is so <laughs> Survivor, and, and that was it. Also, was Warlord at Survivor Series '88 thing. I mean, it's yes. all my things at once. Ding! Such a good. Fo- and oh, the, na- the Nasty Boys match is over, and we go to the event center with Sean Mooney, where it is. I can confirm for the Nassau Coliseum show. Okay. Hogan plans to do a lot more than just mistreat the Warlord, who will challenge the. <laughs> for the championship in the main events. Now, coming up, we will hear from Hulk Hogan. In other action, Brett the Hitman Hart, he faces the Berserker. It's the Beverly Brothers, the brash newcomers who tangle with the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. One-on-one, a battle of the managers. And how did the brain Heenan takes on Mr. Fuji? All right, I'm pausing it on the na- where it just says Nassau Coliseum Friday night, August 2nd. Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji. I'm fucking putting that on a T-shirt. If I can find like a good enough like picture of that, yes. I am getting that on a fucking T-shirt that because that will be up. a conversation piece until the end of fucking time. Everywhere you go, it doesn't matter what country you're in. When you go to one of the former countries of Yugoslavia, when they confirm that you are an American because you have a Boston accent, they will ask you about the Bobby Heenan and Mr. Fuji match. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm going to wear this. To my friend Merrill's wedding, I, I'm not. But for the rehearsal dinner, I'm gonna wear. I would wear that shirt. And some people, why are you wearing that? Fuck you. That's why. Wait, can I just go to the rehearsal dinner so that when somebody asks why you're wearing that, I could say fuck you. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wait, I'm incorporating Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I've I've kind of left that speech uh, kind of uh, 
untouched. Fuck you, that's my Possibly name. Possibly got a man, Ted DiBiase and IRS. They take on Rowdy Roddy. All right, can we comment on the DiBiase IRS little license photo there? <laughs> the fact that DiBiase is holding up a wad of cash, which I'm assuming are supposed to be hundreds. And t- IRS seriously looks like he's salivating at the idea of being able to steal that money out of Ted DiBiase's hand for taxes. <laughs> it, all right. Piper and Virgil look normal here, but DiBiase and IRS are kind of doing that. He's holding up the cash. It looks looks like a back-to-back sort of thing that's like on a movie poster. No, it's the thing that Family Guy made fun of where they're like, oh, we're going to look at the new Fox promo of two best friends standing back-to-back, and it's just the rotating. We're best friends. Slowly rotating black man, yes. Ted DiBiase and IRS because they don't have a team name. I would say that Piper, though, Piper looks like Lord Littlebrook next to Virgil there. He's- <laughs> yeah, they did make Virgil look a lot taller than, than Piper. I don't know why. Also, it looks like Piper is coming off an all-time coke bender because he's like, like, how, how are you sweating in a still photo? I don't, I don't understand that. He looks very wet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody threw water on him beforehand. He took the, the Sid shower. <laughs> Piper, the former bodyguard Virgil. Right now, let's get more on this fantastic main event for the title from Hulk Hogan. All right. All right. Buckle buckle your fucking seatbelt for Hulk Hogan putting over the warlord like nobody ever has before. All right. Ready? Let's take a few deep breaths. (sighs) Okay. I feel like a a pregnant woman doing like breathing exercises. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. You know something, Hulkamaniacs? I've hung and bung 20,000 leagues under the sea on the Titanic. I fought seven WrestleManias for you. The last one was to hell and back again. <laughs> I have to say this time, in the Nassau Coliseum, I've never seen a human destruction machine like I've seen in the Warlord Brothers. <laughs> His him. All right, I'm going to pause it right there. He put over the warlord like he's fucking Andre at WrestleMania 3. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Whoever said that Hulk Hogan couldn't put anybody over? Look, <laughs> steroid guys named Terry were his thing, okay? Yes. <laughs> we're all just blessed that it's not a battle royal because Warlord would be going out immediately. You know something? Oh, but wait, but wait, I feel like one of those infomercials, but wait, there's more. So perfectly, why the warlord is trained to perfection is something that only God in heaven could tell us. But I got something to say, Hulkamaniacs. I'm ready for the warlord, dudes, because as far as I'm concerned, it's just another test of the prayers, the training and the vitamins. And as far as I'm concerned, you're going to be a stepping stone on the way to SummerSlam, brother, because I got a lot of business to take care of. Warlord, this is where the power lies, brother. The 24-inch pythons, even if your guns pump beyond mine, which I don't believe, even if you've got the power of a thousand men, you can't put Hulk Hogan down because in each one of these fingertips, brother, lies the heart 
the soul and the future of each and every little Hulkamaniac out there, brother. Test the power of the truth. Test the power of Hulkamania. And when you fall about this short, I'll pin you one, two, three. Hulk Hogan determined to have... Oh, my God. This is where the power lies is from the WrestleMania 3 promo. Could, could you pause this for one moment? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Oscar goes to... <laughs> like, he... How he got through that promo without cracking up, talking about the fucking warlord, is beyond me. Hey, like, hey, what a, hey. What a, I'm not, I'm not, on. I'm not accepting any warlord slander on my show. <laughs> and you, Davy boy. <laughs> what, now, based yeah. off of that promo, I think the warlord should have been in the friggin' gravest challenge. I think it should have been Hogan versus Warlord at some at Survivor Series. <laughs> Bullshit. Warlord should have gone over here, and they could have just had the world champion in the opening six man at SummerSlam. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say the like, Warlord, should, it, the warlord would be, should have fought the Undertaker. It would be the start of a tradition years later where the world champion is in the opening match at a Here major is. pay-per-view. Good lord. Because That's... Brock Lesnar wants to catch a flight home before the show's over. Yeah. And he needs to throw his belt at fucking Vince. <laughs> well... I think there'll be more promos for this. I, I told you, I screened this, but I didn't screen like the whole show start to finish. That's fabulous. Oh, there's Richard Pryor. After he burned his face. Everybody. Richard Pryor's a con man. Anybody home? Gene Wilder's a liar. He's got a titanium plate in there. When I hit him in the head, that actually feels good. What these two can get into... Wow! Boy, that was good beer. ...is nothing compared to what they've got to get out of. It's very difficult for me to be honest with you at a time like this. Another you. Rated R. Start that. That might have been the last movie they did together. Yeah, I, I know that See No Evil, uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil was a couple years before that, and I really liked it. I but, love but that movie. I, I was 11 years old, though, so I don't know how well it would hold up. No, it holds up. I've seen it recently. It holds up. First of all, it's got that hot piece of ass, Jane Severance, in it. Oh, yes. Joan, Joan Severance. Joan Severance. Um, it has a very young... In fact, she gets naked in that. I don't remember if you see her, if you see her naked, or if she you just see like her upper head neck area. But uh, she definitely is naked in that. Oh, and I know why. Because the gag being that Gene Wilder has like a fucking raging heart on, which is hilarious. But uh, that movie's fantastic. And then Kevin Spacey's in that, like oh. a very young, very young, probably before he was officially molesting yeah. people. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, I, I paused it because here's another commercial that's probably the best that they did not run right after Vince's uh, anti-drug PSA. Yeah. Party drug. Well, you are wrong. Cocaine is deadly serious. Your life can be ruined. Your life can end. So if you or someone you love needs help, but you don't know where to turn, call National Recovery Institutes. We can help. What are they? Institutes. One, eight, Some dude fucking pouring out cocaine and yeah. doing like the, uh, you know, a like chalk when, outline. Yeah, chalk outline. I mean, it looked though as if they were pouring carpet cleaner though because they kept pouring it on carpet. So I was like, so why that guy? I mean, because you would never pour cocaine on a carpet. I mean, that's <laughs> well, that's rule number one. Karen, it was all we had. But they were gonna find it, so I poured it on the carpet and then kept. And then I vacuumed it up. I want to know if they real if they use real cocaine for that, 
or if they or if they did use uh, carpet cleaning powder. For that or for Goodfellas? Uh, no, no, for that for the anti drug commercial, it's got to be real drugs in order to drive the point home. <laughs> well, if they used real drugs, did people then have a party afterwards? Because you know the people filming the commercial weren't part of that campaign, True. so they probably were like, "Yeah, let's just fucking have a field day." <laughs> Uh, looks, looks. The screen went to black there for a while. Oh, oh, is it all back, Jack? When I was just a boy, I had me this uncle. He used to say, "Boy, beauty's only skin deep." He is right. Beauty is only skin deep. <laughs> Heck, once you peel it back, there ain't nothing much to look at at all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Skinner. <laughs> Former heartthrob. Skinner? Skinner? Cutting, a, cutting a promo on beauty being only skin deep. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, they ran those vignettes for him for, God, it felt like five or six weeks. I mean, not quite like Glacier, but, you know. No, but yes, I had the feeling Skinner was supposed to be a much bigger deal than he ended up being. You know, like just nobody frigging caught and nobody caught yeah. the Skinner bug. Yeah, he, he he was a little old at that point, and I think he just everybody's like, oh, they're making Steve Kern be this character. I think he wanted to be that character. He's like, oh, good, I could I could just no. play this fucking outlandish dude. Yeah, he did. Like he's gone on record saying that this. Like, I think Vince was like, what do you want to do? And he's like, can I be like a gal- an alligator hunter? And Vince is like, all right, let's go on with that, you know? And and now we got Ricky Steamboat wearing a ridiculous Statue of Liberty looking costume. Yes, <laughs> but he's doing the fire breathing thing that he later on took with him to WCW. Yeah, but the, but the fact that they couldn't call him Ricky Steamboat and uh, it's always interesting to hear Randy Savage calling uh, Steamboat matches <laughs> during this period. The newcomer, <laughs> this youngster, the dragon. Oh, I gotta stand away from him as he breathes fire, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> you think at one point Savage was like, if he got hit, he was like, "Oh, looks like the dragon rung his bell." <laughs> like they should go after the throat here. Oh, I have some yeah. inside. I have some inside information that this guy in a prior to, in a prior territory, even though it's the same one. <laughs> Prior territory. <laughs> he's, taking, he's taking on Tim Patterson, who I believe was named after uh, Pat. Yeah, you can uh, you can read into that whatever you want. Have you ever seen the uh, the the documentary on FCW? I think it's on Netflix. It might have been on the no, it was on the network because I did watch F- it. When it was on, F- the network. on FCW? Yeah, Florida. Yeah. FCW, the flo- what NXT like, later became. Okay, the development. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's all a lot of it. It's all about mostly Steve Kern, but you watch it and you get the feeling that he is like legitimately one of the greatest guys, like nicest guys, and just really a good dude in wrestling. Like one of the few, you know. Yeah. Like no one ever, I think, ever seemed to have a problem with him. Probably like a guy like Bobby Eaton. Like there's not a lot of them out there that they were just genuinely good guys, never had problems with anybody. I think he was one of them. And when he started FCW, 
it was really just he I think he struggled and then they you know they got a little bit of rub from WWE and then eventually it became NXT but yeah I think it, I mean of course it was a documentary about him so I mean maybe they were take you know they were keeping a lot of shit inside yeah. but yeah he just seemed like he was a really good dude Andy got Andy got a lot as as I understand it he got a lot of Stan Lane spillover pussy <laughs> well, how can you not? <laughs> I mean, there but for the grace of God, if any of us had teamed with Stan Lane in the 80s, uh, how, how many venereal diseases we may have come down with? You think uh, you think he has any half? You think he has any kids in Congress, uh, Steve Kern, or what do you think? Uh, probably, no, probably not. Although you never know. Steamboat won with the uh, a high cross body on that. I love that. And just a quick promo for SummerSlam, and we're going to go now to the interview platform where the Triangle of Terror are going to come out. Oh, boy. Oh, we're only like halfway through the show. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know that. Like, my wife is going to come home, and she's going to be like, what, you're still fucking doing this at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Like, uh, I, look, uh, I'll, I'll give everybody a peek behind the curtain. Another audible I thought about throwing was just having you watch SummerSlam 91 with me today. Well, I don't know about that, but they that wouldn't have been that much of an audible. Because uh, I, 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 la- I watched it last night, and the thing that I was struck by the most is, yes. God, Heenan was so mean to Piper on that yeah, show. You, Holy you know, shit. You, text, you texted me that, first of all, I just want to make out the fact that Colonel Mustafa is very wet on his belly and under his boobs. Like I don't know what I don't know what Cheeky Baby's doing. Well, we know what Cheeky Baby's doing. Yeah. But uh, look at that chin. That's why, a why chin that Slaughter. Lo- Slaughter kind of looks like Mike Ditka there. <laughs> the, 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 that's the chin that launched a thousand ships right there. Let me maybe, tell you. Maybe he should be the coach because because he looks like Ditka. <laughs> look at him. Yeah, so Adnan, Mustafa, and Slaughter are all out there on the interview platform to talk about SummerSlam. Are none other than the Ultimate Warrior! Ultimate puke, immortal slime. Slaughter, one of the only men that can say he's got a win over the Warrior. Yeah, true. Really, Warrior, it's him and Rude. That's Rude it. Rude and Andre did early on in like a Europe show. Yeah, same as yeah. I'll tell you my thoughts on it, you human piece of garbage.
Can I? I was also watching another Superstars from '91, but it was one of those ones where WWF was bleeped out, like it was a, like it was an ethnic slur or something. Yes. and it was causing yes. me to crack up every single time. <laughs> and that's an order. I mean, so yeah, the the guest referee. who the special guest referee is? None whatsoever. Well, would you like to meet that special guest referee? <sighs> By all means, I want to meet No. Yes. No. Yes. No, he's here? Yes. Here he is, special guest ah. referee for the handicap tag, Sid Yes. Wow, my goodness. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Walking from the broadcast booth. I thought it was going to be you as the guest referee. Wait a minute. These guys are applauding. I guess we know now why Sid Justice fans in this whole thing. Presenting arms to Sid Justice. Welcome to the core, Sid Justice. Excuse me. First Lieutenant Justice. <laughs> they offer him first lieutenant. <laughs> first lieutenant justice. What do you think, huh? Uh, listen, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Sergeant Slaughter's Core Sid Justice. I am not a fool of your core. Ooh, boy. Sid, uh, you kind of wish Sid was wearing a mask there because just spittle is flying out everywhere. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's all the water. I don't know. Spittle. That was, I mean, that was like spitting right in his face. You know what? I would not be shocked if at some point, you know, we have the Delta variant, unfortunately. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of Sid variant out there that is going to make make waves. You just went hachtus. <laughs> he literally just spit on the iron cheek. Hachtus. That's all. Yeah. If anybody needed a mask, it was Sid in this very moment right here. Sid. The, 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 Sid, the Sid variant. People, softball fields are going to pop up across America. It's going to be great. We're all going to go out. We're going to be go back outside and experience recreation. I mean, the size difference here. Uh, this a monster. And I am not a bullet of your door. I am a bullet of no one's door. I will be a summer slam for one reason. See my dick right now? I am I am erect for this right now. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. Oof. Yeah. Oh, I just came a little. <laughs> Actually, I, all right. All right. I gotta go. I gotta clean up. <laughs> I I also have to clean up because Sid just spit on my face. I'm so, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. And I am not a part I mean, of your you know, core. Out of all the out of all the special guest referees, 
Sid was probably the most fair and impartial. Yeah, he was. Who the hell is this? This guy who looks like Rick Pitino. Uh, <laughs> maybe it is Rick Pitino. Yeah, maybe. Some things were never meant to go together. Other things. Oh, he was blind. If I ever meet Rick Pitino, I'm going to ask him about that ad he did for combos back in 91. Just to confuse him. Well, this guy was blind. Some might say Rick Pitino is blind. Well. Conquered the rapids. No, nobody knows life comes at you fast quite like Rick Pitino. No. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, love you. Love your Rick Pitino jokes. Is this bungee jumping? Is this wipeout? What the frick show is this? Is John Cena going to show up on this? <laughs> Shaking. It's absolutely insane. Take the bungee plunge at Action Park just minutes away in Vernon, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. All right. I, I, no, I don't think we'll be doing that. No. Hagar the Horrible. From Mug Root Beer. I liked root beer as a child, but I haven't really had it as an adult. Mm. I hate root beer. Oh, you do? Yeah, I hate root beer. Well, I guess that does. I guess that does explain why in North Carolina I brought brought some root beer, and you were like, "Out." Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've told you. I had to have told you the reason why I don't like root beer. I won't go into it, but I, I mean, there is definitely a reason why I don't like root beer. Okay. Vir- Virgil versus the Black Knight right now. Virgil, just, our n- number four babyface in the promotion. I just want to point out the fact that I did, I, while we were discussing the Warrior, like, never losing or mm-hmm. only being pinned by two people, I went through and I looked at, uh, there was a website I found with his win loss record. Yeah. And it has all of the companies that he that he's performed in. Is it cage I, match? It's not. It's um profightdatabase.com. Oh yeah, yeah, that's one yeah. of the other ones, yeah. But I went through and I looked. He had 159 matches. It says 22 pay-per-view, so I'm assuming that's the combination of them all on and WWF. Mhm. He only had two pinfall losses. To rude and slaughter. Yep. So I I went and I did a I, I did a pivot chart <laughs> or a pivot table of his <laughs> of his win loss record and I pulled all the defeats by pin and it's all the defeats so it's him like you know all the pins and everything. But yeah, he's only and that's including like tag matches too and shit. He's only lost. He only had two pins against the against rude and against the warrior. Isn't that insane? It it is insane, but all but also insane is the fact that you ignored Virgil uh, successfully executing a slingshot plancha. Oh wait, can we go back? Can you go back real quick? I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sure. Plancha. Here we go. Plancha. Although he could take a break right now, but he doesn't. Oh yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Piper's like, I didn't teach him that. Like yeah, Virgil must have learned that from Brett because Brett would use that move, and we all know that Brett and Virgil have some sort of relationship. Yes. Oh, his Sherry and Ted. Sensational oh. Sherry Virgil could very well be the million dollar champion at SummerSlam. <laughs> well, you see, Virgil was a millionaire every night of his life, but he was with me for 15 minutes. The 15 minutes that he held the belt and then had to give it back. 
Can he beat me at SummerSlam? Not in a million years. <laughs> you know, it has occurred to me that DiBiase and the WWF promos definitely have a template. The mm. laugh at the beginning, the laugh at the end, and then he usually does a pretty good promo in the middle of it. I liked that promo, though, because it seemed like Vince was talking to him in the inset. Oh, yeah, they were doing that a lot around this time, where it would be like the big boss man would be standing there, like, looking down, like, big boss man! And he would look up, like, yeah. real quick, ask a question, and they'd do it that way. That's kind of, that was a smart move by Vince to kind of do that, you know? Yeah. Make it seem a little bit more uh, behind the behind the curtain, so to speak. Like a, like a conversation. Well, and then when we get to the Raw era, they start doing the phone calls to, yes. to guys. They love they love doing those phone calls in the nineties. Yeah, but that was still when you had everybody was talking on landlines. I mean, do mm-hmm. you remember when? Do you remember when people first started talking on cell phones and it was, uh, what like it it. Uh, Yes. That was the oh, conversation yeah. you had? Okay, so what is the doctor? Oh, oh my God, there he is! The warlord. The number one contender for the world title, folks. Yep. Because this is the New York Territory and the Nassau Coliseum is in the New York metro area, he is the number one contender. What is that guy's? Did you, guys, did you see that guy? He's wrestling his beard. Yeah, it was a strange. It was like it was like he had the lines in it, like he had like the how penis stripes in his beard. People used to put lines in the side of their head. You know how I know that because I was one of them. Yeah, but he had them on his beard. Like that's weird. I've never seen that before. Yeah, that that Jeez. is unusual. Hey Emmett, your beard is weird. Oh, look at the press. Look at the power oh. in this guy. This guy should have had a 14. You know what? The genius should have lost his world title to the Warlord. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, the, pro- the problem with that is the war- the Warlord, I don't think he could have gone for 14 years. 11, I could see, but not 14. I always just liked how the lightning bolts just had like kind of an eclectic design on the back of his shorts. <laughs> yeah, you know what? On this podcast, I don't want to interview the Warlord. I want to interview the person who did the Warlord's gear. Yes. <laughs> Like, what was that process like? Oh, late stage slick. One thing you got to respect about Warlord, he never came out to Jive Soul Bro. He always came out to no music. He was like, fuck that shit. I'm so over. I don't even need music. I like how you called him late stage slick. Like he's a terminal illness. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, I got stage uh, four. I got stage four slick going on right now. Yeah. um, Hey, uh. Pete, I didn't want to tell you this, but uh, my my aunt has, uh, or, or my, my grandmother has stage four slick. You, <laughs> you, stage slick. you might not want to laugh in the middle of the joke there. <laughs> my mother's got, uh, you know, no, I don't want to. I'm trying to think of somebody that's not already alive still in my life. That's why I changed her from my aunt to my grandmother. My grandmother's, a, you know, Pete, my uh, grandmother has um, late stage slick. <laughs> she's she's she certainly is a jive soul bro in the in the nursing home right now. <laughs> the party's over. Did you notice that Warlord had a W, a uh, little W of hair in the back of his head? Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh yeah. You know what's funny is when you have late stage slick, you, <laughs> you it's been said that you say turn out the lights, the party's over a lot. Oh, he said that even like back to like '89. It was a, a Dandy Don Meredith thing on Monday Night Football. No, no, I know that, but that's what I'm saying is like that's yeah. usually instead of instead of being read your last rites, the priest comes in and says, "Turn out the lights, the party's over." 
And, and look at that full Nelson that the Warlord hooked in. It makes Bobby Lashley's look like shit. Yeah. They should they should have done Lashley Warlord instead of Lashley Goldberg. Probably would have been a more competitive match. I bet you I bet you Warlord looks better than Goldberg now. I mean, Lashley attacking all the Jews was a little uncomfortable there at the end of uh, the SummerSlam match. It, it was basically like an intifada at a certain point. Well, I mean, it was really bad when he started goose-stepping around the ring. I didn't I didn't quite like that, but, you know, that's... It's the Baron Von Raschke tribute. The Dragon and the Texas Tornado at SummerSlam. Also just announced, Greg the Hammer Valentine has signed to battle Erwin R. Scheister, IRS. As you know, two... The W4 versus the figure four. Main event in any arena in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so right now they're kind of doing more SummerSlam promos because, I mean, that's also New York area. I mean, yes. Let's face it here. So now they're going to go to a promo with Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Madison Square Garden, SummerSlam, Brett the Hitman Hart. I could stand out here and call you names. I could call you a grease ball. I could call you what, whatever I wanted to call you, I could call you. But I'm going to give it to you, Bret Hart. You have all the talent in the world. You're one of the few men in the World Wrestling Federation who has the talent to crawl into the ring with the Intercontinental Champion. I know one thing. You won't crawl out, Intercontinental Champion. It goes back to what I was saying about Bret's push is perfect put him over strong. And Bret had like a post the other day on the 30th anniversary that talking about how... um, Henning is his favorite opponent ever. Mm. And I, I certainly understand why. So now we go to the big lost man um, <laughs> who <laughs> ever, since, ever since you called him the big lost man. Now, that's, because of that Hogan thing, I, yes. I, all I can that's, that's all I can think about. That's Ray Trailer to you. Thank you very much. But <laughs> I, I, I have a theory on the boss man Mountie stuff, which I, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll save for after the promo. OK. Oh, that was a rare mistake by me. I I accidentally hit the button and I went to the wrong part of the video. (laughs) Am I in the right place again? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I I went back. (laughs) I went right back to coach. But I mean, you could great, great job having a manager who never fucking talks. That that's uh, that's that's just terrific. (laughs) Brett, the hitman hearts. Also, the Mountie, he faces the big boss man in a jailhouse match. Canadian Mountie, Judgment Day is at hand. Mm. Madison Square Garden, special mm. jailhouse match. Mm. 22,000 plus mm. and millions and millions all over the world are going to witness law enforcement at its finest. When I bring you to justice for the criminal you are, boy, mm. Canadian Mountie, the only thing that you've got to look forward to is cold hard steel, a waiting police car, and a six by eight cell, and nothing but nothing but a hard time. Now keep in mind the- My theory of the boss man after the Mountie feud, because yes. everything kind of went sideways. I always blamed it on IRS, but yeah. honestly, the Mountie was so good in that feud that anything he did afterwards was going to be a huge step down. It didn't, ma- it didn't matter who he was going to feud with. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I agree 100%. Mountie his time, his probably, time was up. Yeah, the Mountie's probably... That's probably the apex of his feuds in WWF. Well, let's think about it. The Mountie got even kind of another push out of it because he's he's feuding with Brett. 
for the Intercontinental title, eventually wins it for a hot second. Yeah. I mean, so he had, by losing, he ended up doing better than the boss man. And by the way, he got paid more than boss man for SummerSlam, justifiably so, because of all the great jail vignettes. That's true. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So as you can see, it pays to be big on milk. Milk. It does a body good. <laughs> Drink milk. Get pussy. Out. Oh, wait, sorry. I, th- I thought I still had the old one up there. Right. <laughs> the out, <laughs> out, out kind of makes sense, though. Well, I get <laughs> I think your out, your out one made Kent's kind of made sense, though. <laughs> out! Yeah, Drink I, milk. Get yeah, pussy. I get, out! I guess. What? <laughs> exactly. What? Yeah. Okay. Skittles. All the very the, those those teeth killers. I am the king. Oh. Oh, Amco. Double A MCO. I remember this from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Double A. They've got a lot at stake, and they know that half the cars serviced by Amco wind up not needing a new transmission. Whether or not your car has an extended warranty, for prompt, reliable service, go where most warranty companies put their trust. Go to Amco. Amco. Double A-M-C-O. You know, I'd make fun of the guy from that commercial, but I'm pretty sure he's uh, affiliated with the mafia. <laughs> yeah, be careful. We don't need you disappearing. <laughs> yeah. Fucking break up my party. Bring a light party. <laughs> it's been a while since we said that. Yeah. Fucking break up my buddy. Life, life cereal. With these uh, Aryan children. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking master race. <laughs> Look, I, I'm tired of life commercial, life cereal pushing some sort of master race bullshit on us. Fucking Fuck master them. race. Fuck them. Fruit Loops forever. <laughs> forever. 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 <laughs> All right, now we get now we get a SummerSlam report proper. So I can now say that I've been to a SummerSlam. You can't. I've been to. Wait, I have I been to a SummerSlam? Did you go to the one in 05 in Boston or 06? Yes, yes that's the one where I kept seeing Michael Cole sleeping at the desk while it was the uh, Raw matches. Oh, yeah, because I think he was the SmackDown. <laughs> He was the smack. Yes, because that's back when they remember they moved like the raw announced booth was in the back towards the ramp. Yeah, yeah. that was. And then the SmackDown one was still by this ring. Every time there was a raw match, I would look and you could see Michael Cole fucking napping at the SmackDown yeah. desk, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I always thought was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. The special guest referee. We didn't want to walk away from that one without getting comments from Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior regarding. Oh, let's see. You know something, Hulkamaniacs? <laughs> the Ultimate One in a holster against Mustafa, Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter. We knew it was going to be his rules. That's why the little warriors in the Hulkamaniacs were warned. Check the popcorn boxes for hand grenades. Look under your seats for a booby trap. But now that Sid Justice is the special referee, man, me and the Ultimate One know that justice will be served. And now that the warriors and the Hulkamaniacs have united as one, we're going to 
wipe his troops out, just like our troops wiped those dudes out in Desert Storm. Right on We're coming out of the foxhole. We've been laid down low long enough. Bring the skeletons of the warriors past and the hookamaniacs of the present. Bring them to SummerSlam in the most fearsome force in the entire universe. For guaranteed, Hulkamania and warrior wildness shall only do one thing. Destroy you! You know, I think uh, Tito Santana should have been the third guy on that side because of Reba Durchie. Yeah. I like the warrior's outline face paint right there. I kind of do. Yeah. His, his, his hair was kind of a mess there, though. Ooh. A little bit. Oh, here's here's Brett going for the Continental title. You know... <laughs> the heart looks a little fucked up on his tights. You notice that? <laughs> I think it's because he's... It seems to be he's stretching that uniform into his tights maybe a little bit too much. Well, I don't know. I think I think a child drew that. It's like it's like a child drew that heart out of construction paper in like the first grade. That's what it looks it, like. It almost looks like a butterfly ready to take off. <laughs> butterfly kisses. <laughs> Mr. Perfect, in the SummerSlam, I hope you realize that this is a chance I've waited for a long, long time. This is an opportunity for me to show you that I am, in fact, the excellence of execution. You like to consider yourself a wrestler with all the perfect moves, but we all know there's no such thing as Mr. Perfect. But when I step in the ring in the SummerSlam, you will be excellently Twice. executed. Twice. I should have had, had the ding there. Twice, he said. Do we do we have to go on? Uh, Mama said, "Knock you out!" Alert for a virtual promo. I think so. Okay, Here we go. I didn't screen this, so I'm gonna be. So this is the first time I'm hearing what Virgil's gonna say here. You mean at SummerSlam, you're putting that golden diamonds on the line? You talk about 1.5 million, and all I gotta do is. Upside your head and put you on the four, one, two, three. Well, I'm going to do it, DiBiase. You, Sherry, and anyone else you bring, I'm going to be $1.5 million richer. Ah! I, I didn't know that Virgil got it, like, revalued. I mean, what, what is he? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like the interest. That's, like, probably the only thing that's gone up. Well, I think the price of gold and diamonds had gone up. by the Yeah, the, the, the belt, the belt uh, <laughs> appreciated in value. I feel like for Halloween this year, I want to dress like Andre SummerSlam 91. <laughs> Are you going to get metal crutches? Because I am like, here for that. I think I do. I think I want to I want to get puffy hair and the puffy. Because if I let my hair grow, I may have to put a wig on. But if I let my hair, if I let my sideburns grow, I could definitely get puffy sideburns like Andre. And I could I have like a Bob Ross afro wig that i could put on <laughs> and then if i get this shirt i have to get this shirt so i have to go to like the salvation army and try to find like the most loud obnoxious like non-hawaiian hawaiian shirt and mm. see if i can and then i'll wear like the i'll wear like the t- i'll get the tightest pair of khakis i can and i'll walk with like the metal crutches and i'll just go earthquake i have a typhoon you <laughs> and then i think if i can get like two little mini Ooh, and that's what I'll do is I'll get my mini, I'll get my Hasbro Bushwhacker figures, <laughs> and I'll hang them from my crutches, and I could be Andre Survivor SummerSlam 91. What do you think? You think that's a winner? All I know is that I, I, I want to be here for, for, when, that, uh, for when that occurs. The, 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 
I know you're anxious for this natural disasters promo because you want to hear what Hurricane Fred has to say. <laughs> what a disappointment Hurricane Fred was up in this area. Oh, it's it's ju- it's just like Typhoon himself. When you're at SummerSlam, you better make sure those insurance policies are paid up because we need the Typhoon Splash and the earthquake. You'll be needing them. And Andre the Giant, stay out of our way. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Typhoon was so bad as a heel. That's why they had to turn them back face. Andre, you better stay out of my way. <laughs> Did you know that Bulldog got paid 5000 more than uh, Tornado and Dragon for that six-man? My God, really? I'd have to imagine it was because uh, of overseas shit. I don't know. Mm. Maybe they were given. Maybe it was Canadian money. They paid him in Canadian money. Mm. <laughs> so there was an exchange rate thing going on. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm not willing to rule anything out. I mean, you gotta. You gotta imagine at this point, Diana Hart was the one controlling all of his finances. So, you, you know, what's another thing that I just thought of when it comes to Brett's push? Yes. Uh, you just mentioned Canada. They did some uh, challenge and superstars tapings in Edmonton and Calgary in July around yeah. the whole Calgary Stampede. Yeah. So, you know, you bring Brett out for like three matches on those tapings, he's going to get a huge reaction each time, sure. and that only helps his push. Absolutely. Pretty brilliant, I think. I mean, also... Or maybe I'm fact, reading too much into it. I don't know. No, no. Also, you got to expect you got to accept the fact that he is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Hmm. Oh, a Butterfinger Simpsons head. Ice cream bars. Mm. <laughs> Hi, dudes. Crisp, but the crunch at the outside, creamy ice cream inside. Nobody better lay a finger <laughs> on my Butterfinger. Well, you're not going to hear that ad again because Hank's yeah. area doesn't do the uh, Apu voice no more. I was just going to say that commercial doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. I kind of, that, that I think upset. Oh, I my God. It, did you see the move that this guy just did in the Dentine ad? He had, like, a fake soda spill to keep some, like, rando away from the bench. And, and then he took it away when, like, some hot woman wanted to sit down. That guy seems like he's slick. Yeah. Not terminal slick. Like, just slick, Term- slick. Terminal slick. Stage three slick. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Billy D. Williams here. Hey. All these women are, are, are gravitating to Calrissian here, but they they don't know that he's going to he's gonna just turn them in at the first chance he gets. I know. I don't know about that. Not this time, baby. <laughs> uh, Pepsi. Oh, you just don't like her because she kind of looked like Jean-Bedet Ramsey, who, by the way, had, had been born, I think, at this point. <laughs> But not what? dead yet. I'm so out of I'm so out of line by saying that somebody looked like Jean Fidet Ramsey. How dare you? Uh. Well, the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. Right there at SummerSlam for all of us, in addition to the intercom. Oh, I hear coach's whistle, which can only mean well, one of two things. Beverly Brothers versus my oh, pal Jim Gorman and Matthew Burns. Yeah, your pal Jim Gorman. Nice. Yeah. That's good to see Jim Gorman getting some work. Yeah, <laughs> just, Jim was a little overserved at that engagement party. There, I was going to say, did, it, you, did you see him the other night? I, I wish that he had. Um, I wish that I had been recording then because he was a complete loose cannon. Like yeah. he, he, he was burying people left and right. It was like uh, partying with 2003 Triple H. It was I amazing. 
I, I speaking of this engagement party, I have a bad feeling that I'm not going to be invited to the wedding. Um, since I haven't, since I wasn't invited to the engagement party, and uh, you know, I don't really even know Merrill or his fiance all that well. But uh, well, and also there's going to be limitations, not because of not because of COVID, but because to try to keep the costs down a little bit. But you know, you know that it would be more fun with me there, right? Well, uh, of, of course. And you know, I'm. <laughs> You know me, I would like to help you out, but there's only so many strings I can pull. Like, when my sister got married, I got Meryl invited to that wedding because we had an open bar and we needed people to drink a certain amount. So yes. we basically imported a few ringers. Okay. Look at Gorman getting in offense on uh, on uh, Bo Beverly. Yeah. So I... I just so this is a Beverly Brothers match, so this is perfectly good time to bring this up. Uh, so I was clicking on that that database that I was on about the Warrior, and yeah. I looked at wrestlers with highest win percentages. He's the he's the number one with eighty eight point six seven nine two percent. Right. You know who you know who number two is? Like all time? I mean, it's I think this is all time. Is it somebody who was around for a really long time or only like a brief period? No, you know what's funny is that it, it must be based it must be matches that they have listed because this guy only has a total of 102 matches and it's I think it has to do with yeah, it says this is limited to wrestlers with over 15 matches in their database, but it can't be all time because there's no way this guy only has 102 matches. It was Mill Mascaris. I don't yeah. Well, okay, well, be... that, that makes sense, given the whole no-yob uh, business yeah. from the... But you know who's on this list with a total record of 14.02 matches and a winning percentage of 76.2482%? What, Stephen Amell? <laughs> oh, John Cena. Oh, oh right, yeah, okay. It's, it's crazy, they have 14,000, they have 1,400 matches listed here for John Cena. <laughs> Well, you got to figure it goes all the way from 2002 to roughly 2017 full yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I love it. I, this is a great website. I think I have to book. Well, and then now it's, is this how you're going to spend your Saturday in August? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know yet. I haven't yeah. figured it out. Yet. You know who's got a higher win percentage than John Cena? <laughs> Randy Orton? Uncle Fred. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. What's his win percentage? His win percentage is 77.33333%. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uncle Fred. Uh, Uncle Fred, God bless him. (laughs) (laughs) My brother-in-law drew money everywhere he went, daddy. (laughs) Oh, I bet you he was. And my brother-in-law. No, I don't know if you know this or not. He's still looking for Sapphire. <laughs> no, no, Doss. Oh, Danny Davis was our referee for that one. Oh. Fresh off getting hit in the nuts at uh, WrestleMania 7. <laughs> that was the payoff to the Danny Davis angle, I've decided. Is Piper hitting him in the nuts with a crutch? Mm. Oh, it says here Tugboat fought. 
Talk about beat the Brooklyn Brawler on June 3rd, 1991 at the MSG show, which was after he had turned already on the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Yes. He wrestled as Tugboat for a little while longer. All right, we're back to a Nassau Coliseum promo. Uh, and I have no idea what's coming. Oh, my God. We get a promo for the Heenan-Fuji match. Are you ready for this? Buckle up, folks. Once again. Okay, Bobby Heenan is one and one. You and me together in the ring. You would not have Barbarian or Haku to hide in the back. It's you and me. And let me tell you, I cannot wait to get you in the ring all for Mr. Fuji. When I grab hold of you, I'm going to put a lot of pain on you. And I just scream and scream for mercy and let you go and let you suffer in front of all those people. <laughs> all right. Not bad. <laughs> I wish it was a Heenan promo, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Powerful words. Yes. In two weeks at the Nassau Coliseum, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Virgil, they take on the Million Dollar Man in IRS. <laughs> well, Virgil, you gave queen-size pantyhose a whole new meaning. Well, at the Nassau Coliseum, you can park your pantyhose because it's time to pay. Obviously, some people will do anything for a write-off. That's right. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Now we got two guys dressed like broads instead of one. Well, that don't matter. Bring them both down. Leave the skirts in the dressing room. Because when you get in the ring with the IRS and the Million Dollar Man, somebody's going to pay, and it's not us. <laughs> I like how Sherry is so loyal to them that he uses the term broads and she's not offended. Seriously, I mean, she, that's she a little... Just, Sherry's the best. She just, roll, she just rolls with it. It's like, she does, but that's just a... That's a little... Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Oh, Greg Valentine versus Paul Roma. Hmm. Main event in any arena in America. <laughs> I'm just going to say that about every fucking match. Tough! <laughs> versus Hercules? A WrestleMania 2 rematch? <laughs> what is this matchup? Superfly Jimmy Slicka versus Typhoon? Main event in the country. And now that's not. That can't be. Maybe in 1983. Well, when we get to, when we get done with this, I'll I'll read you the results. Good lord! What happened? Natural disasters. Typhoon. The wild berserker meets up with Brett the Hitman Hart. The Bushwhackers. Luke and Butch. They tangle with the newcomers, the Beverly Brothers. Mr. Fuji and Bobby the Brain Heenan will meet one-on-one -on -one as the two managers attempt to settle their differences. Rowdy Roddy Piper and Virgil will take on the two superstars we just heard from, the Million Dollar Man and IRS. And in the main event, the Warlord will challenge Hulk Hogan for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. It all happens in less than two weeks, Friday night, August 2nd, at the That's Nassau awesome. Coliseum. Yes. That is awesome. All right, 15,000. So the, it was a legitimate draw. 15,000 in the Nassau Coliseum is probably a little bit uncomfortable, actually, given the bathroom situation there. Oh, yeah? All right. Greg Valentine over Paul Roma. Berserker pinned, the Berserker pinned Jim Powers because we had a substitution elsewhere. Bobby Heenan pinned Mr. Fuji with the Berserker. After hitting him with brass knuckles when Fuji missed trying to throw salt in Heenan's eyes. I mean, that's the reason why I want to see this match is these two guys just going over the top trying to cheat. IRS and Ted DiBiase defeated Bret Hart and Virgil when DiBiase pinned Virgil when Sherry interfered. Ricky Steamboat pinned Hercules. Jimmy Snuka defeated Demolition Smash. So you did not get Snuka versus Typhoon. <laughs> 
Beverly Brothers over the Bushwhackers by disqualification. Mm-hmm. And in our main event, WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan pinned the Warlord. Mm. Randy Savage was originally announced to be the guest referee for this match. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Didn't know how to stop. I came to National Recovery. And they welcomed me with open All right, well, it's a... It's, oh, yeah, what are we watching? Why are we watching this? I am, I, am, I am less interested in the drug recovery commercials unless at least three pounds of cocaine are, are put on the table and then they draw it into a figurine. Exactly. That's what I'm going to need. ...to run the TV you're watching for one full hour. Recycle. It's the everyday way to save the world. Recycle, recycling has certainly evolved over the last 30 years. Yes. Say. Your opponent with drop kicks. The WWF ring rolled up spring action for furious flying tackles. The WWF ring comes with Dragon Championship belt. Hey, you little dudes, train say your prayers need your vitamins. <laughs> yeah. The way Hogan did that, hey little dudes, where he like kind of did the thing with his hand, it felt like it was take, it was take number uh, fifty-five. Yeah. Where he was like, oh fuck this, I have no more energy. Freezer bars. It's as fun to squeeze as it is to eat. Well, we we already we already did our bit with that yeah. one. Yeah, we know what he was doing there. Mm. And, and with the Jolly Ranchers as well. Oh, hello. The great taste of fruit squared. For body slamming WWF action, in and out of the ring is WrestleMania Challenge for your NES, and it's WWF superstars for Game Boy, Battle of the Hulkster, Ultimate Warrior, and more from LJN. Next week, right here. All right, so they're gonna let us know what's on the next week's show. Brett once again, yeah. Berserker. You know, Andre got paid seventy-five grand for SummerSlam. Did he really? Yeah, I think I think a lot of that wow. we can kind of count as tribute. Oh, that's so. That's, wait, so we watched the week before, right? Because no, yeah. we watched the week after, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we can watch the July twenty-seventh one next next week if you'd like so we can so we can deal with jake in the funeral parlor because that's that's when uh that's when everything begins mm. we got down we got up we got funky and we got bad yeah we did we sure did but i'm gonna tell you right now I, I know i know we vamp a little bit after but we spent a lot of time vamping beforehand and during the show i got a bunch of I got a bunch of leftover Chinese food upstairs. So I know I was gonna say, and you're like, yeah. I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm, like, so, we, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jimmy. We've been on the phone for goddamn two fucking hours. Yeah, I, yeah, I know it's almost, it's almost two o'clock. But yes, yes. Uh, uh, okay. thank you, thank you so much for for joining me, Keithy. I appreciate it. And please, if, if you've enjoyed this brand of podcasting, please leave a review for Greece Ballantown GFA Live on Apple Podcasts. Five stars always appreciated because it provides us no social proof that you're listening to and enjoying this program. Keith is on Twitter at Flounder824. I am on Twitter at GF Allentown Pod. And tune in next time for another exciting episode of GFA Live. Fuck everything up.